online at crossculture.church. From Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is Crosswalk, a weekly sermon podcast from the pulpit of Cross Culture Church. Thank you for joining us. Now here's this week's message from Cross Culture Church. Well, good morning, Cross Culture Church. Uh, what an honor it is to be with you. Uh, my name is Chris Hankins, and I'm the lead pastor at Point Church, uh, Sister Church. We're all part of the same family, all part of Team Jesus, so Sister Church here in the Raleigh area, and uh, just, man, what a privilege it is to be able to join you today. And as I was reading a little bit on your website, trying to get to know a little bit about who is Cross Culture Church, I came across a statement that said, bringing the cross to our culture and bringing our culture to the cross. Church, that's exactly what I am praying to do this morning. Bringing the cross to our culture and the culture to the cross. And what better opportunity do we have to bring the cross to our culture than Christmas? Right? I mean, think about it. People all over our country, all over America who don't even believe in Jesus are still putting up Christmas trees, are still hanging out the lights, are, are, are still, you know, wrapping presents. We have an incredible opportunity at Christmas to bring the cross to our culture. Now, if you were to think about our culture, think about our American culture, and, and you were going to, to, to sum up, not necessarily our Christian culture, uh, one person that represents Christmas. One person that represents Christmas, who would that be? Santa Claus. Right? Now, I didn't say our Christian culture, and I didn't say it was a good thing, Right? And I'm not here to bash Santa Claus, okay? So let me just put that out there. But if you were to think about one person that I think is universal in the American Christmas culture, it's Santa Claus. Think about it, all right? Here comes Santa Claus. Here comes Santa Claus. All right, Santa Claus is coming to town. It was the night before Christmas and all through the house, right? And then you hear the, the pitter-patter of reindeer paws. We... we we take our kids to meet Santa at the mall and get their picture taken. For, for many of us in our culture, right, Santa Claus equals Christmas. Now, unfortunately, not many of us know much about the true story of Santa Claus or St. Nicholas, right? So the true story of Santa Claus began with a real person by the name of Nicholas, who was born in the 3rd century and the southern coast of what is now Turkey. His wealthy parents raised him to be a devout Christian. But tragically, they died in a plague when he was still a young boy. And so Nicholas went to live with his uncle, who happened to be a priest, and he was the bishop of Patara. And his uncle later ordained his nephew, Nicholas, as a priest. And, and Nicholas took seriously what Jesus said when he said, Go and sell your possessions and give to the poor. And so he used his whole inheritance to offer assistance to the needy, the sick, the suffering. He dedicated his life to serving God and was made Bishop of Myra while he was still a young man. So Bishop Nicholas became known throughout the land for being one of the most generous people who also had an incredible love for children in need, likely because he lost his own parents as a child. One story tells of a poor man with three daughters. And in those days, a young man's uh, daughters, their, their ability to marry was based on what they could offer, a dowry. And so if a young woman and, and her family, her father, weren't in a position to be able to provide that dowry, well, they were likely not to marry 
and, and to actually live out a life of servitude. And so, as tradition has it, that, that one night, Nicholas came and, and he put a bag of gold in the shoe of one of the young ladies who were, you know, set to be married, um, or of that age, and, and then she was able to provide that dowry, and then that happened again and again for all three girls that St. Nicholas provided the money for these women to be married. And that is how legend has it. Now, I don't know if it's true. I wasn't there a thousand years ago. But how even children came to put out their shoes or their stockings that St. Nicholas would come and, and give them a gift at Christmas. See, this, this Christmas tradition began from a Christian who radically loved Jesus and desired to give as he had been given. Now, obviously over the years, right, St. Nicholas has been transformed into an overweight man who lives at the North Pole and has a sleigh with magical reindeer. Um, also, you know, obviously children now have come to the point where they now put in their requests to Santa Claus, right, and write their Christmas list. And I think one of the... Uh, maybe unintended consequences of this is that Christmas has gone from something that was given, right, about giving to all of a sudden a holiday that is about getting. Where we celebrated the gift of God to us, now we all are thinking about the gifts that we will receive. Christmas began when God gave mankind the gift of His one and only Son, and it continues as we give the love of Christ to others. And so, as we start this message and we open the Scriptures, my prayer is that as we look at who God is, what He has done, and what He has given to us, that we would be able to begin to flip Christmas right side up. Would you pray with me? Father God, we pray that You would open our eyes, that Your Holy Spirit would speak to us. God, I pray that Your Spirit would convict us. I pray it would encourage us. I pray it would comfort us. God, more than, more than anything else, I pray that your Spirit would lead us to become more like your Son, Jesus. Father, open our eyes. God, as we look at your Word, would it be living and active to us this morning? That's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, so let's, if you have your Bible, let's go ahead and turn to John chapter 3. And we're going to look at one of the most popular verses in all the Bible John 3.16, okay, we're going to be in John 3.16 through 17. Now this might be a passage that you might not normally associate with Christmas, but I believe it's actually one of the best Christmas passages. John chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 16, I believe it's going to be on the screen behind me, it says, For God so loved the world that He, what? That He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life for god did not send his son into the world church that's christmas god did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him all right so so let's look at these verses that many of you have heard over and over and over again and let's look at them through the eyes through the lens of christmas now for a little context these verses are part of a much larger conversation between Jesus and a man named Nicodemus. All right, so Nicodemus was a Jew. He was a Pharisee. He was a ruler. So, so this was a very religious man. And, and Jesus and Nicodemus are having a conversation. 
They're talking about what does it look like to have eternal life? What is, what, who is God and who is Jesus? And, and Jesus is sharing with Nicodemus who he is and, and what God is doing through him. Now, now something that's very important to understand, to understand this passage is that Nicodemus was a Jew, Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and at this time they were very convinced that they were special. Right? They were God's chosen people, which meant, at best, everyone else in the world, on planet Earth, were second class. And at, at best, they were second class. At worst, they were just straight-up enemies of God. And so what Nicodemus would have expected would be, for God so loved the Jews, for God so loved Israel, that he gave his one and only son. But that's not what he says. You see, this was a very radical statement. It says, For God so loved the world, all people, every person, every group, everywhere, people that talk like you and people that don't, people that live near you and people who live far, people who look like you and people who don't. And, and what kind of love does God have for all these people across the world? Well, the Greek word used here is agape, which means unconditional, selfless love. It's a love that's, that is not conditional upon your actions. It says, I'm going to love you regardless of your worth, regardless of, of your actions, regardless of your goodness. I'm going to love you unconditionally, regardless of how you love me. For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. He loved the world, everyone, all of us. He loved you. He loved your mama and daddy. He loves your kids. He loves your cousins. He loves your neighbors. He loves your coworkers. He loves every person that you work with. God so loved the world so much that he gave. So the first thing we learn about Christmas is that Christmas is all about God giving himself. Christmas is all about God giving himself. What does that look like? How, how did that happen? So this is where Christmas comes in. Verse 17, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. See, God demonstrated His love for all of us by doing something unexpected. By Himself coming into the world, taking on flesh in the form of a baby and a manger that first Christmas. You see, God didn't wait on us to come to Him. No, God took the action. He, he came to us. He was proactive. He became one of us so that we could have life. And church, this is the good news, right? This is the gospel. God in the flesh. God in our place. God who has come to bring us life, to give us what we never deserved. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Now, this is, this is kind of going to kind of be the theme of, of our Christmas message next week at Point Church. The, the, the message of Jesus and the biblical message of Christmas is something that is very different from what our American culture says. You see, our culture teaches us that there's a nice and naughty list, right? There's a nice and naughty list, and if you do enough nice things, enough good things, and by the way, somebody's watching... All right, then, then, you, then you are on the good list, and if you, if you do enough bad things, well, then you're on the naughty list, and nobody wants to be on the naughty list. Well, church, that is not the message of the Bible. 
The message of the Bible is that we're all on the naughty list. We were on the naughty list this year. We were on the naughty list last year. In church, we're going to be on the naughty list next year. Right? That's reality. But the good news is that Jesus came for everybody on the naughty list. Right? That, that you look at the people that Jesus interacted with, that, that he hung out with. Jesus came for all of us, not just those of us on the nice list. Right? He came for all of us. That's the amazing grace that Jesus has come to offer us. Church, that's the good news of Christmas. That's the news that I believe our culture needs to hear this Christmas and every Christmas. Now, maybe you're here this morning and you've been away from church for years and you kind of feel guilty even being back in the building, right? Even being around other followers of Jesus. The good news is that Jesus didn't come to condemn you. He came to save you. He came to say, welcome home. Now, maybe you have had a past where you feel like you're not good enough, or maybe you were in church as a child and you've fallen, fallen away, and maybe you're here because you had a, a family member who dragged you to church. I always say, my, my mom drugged me as a child. She drugged me to church on Wednesday night and Sunday school and Sunday morning and Sunday night. And so maybe somebody drugged you here this morning, and then you're like, man, this is, I don't belong here. And let me tell you, this is exactly where you belong. Jesus did not come to condemn you. He came to save you. He came to love you. He came to forgive you. He came to extend grace to you. That's my king. That's my Jesus. That's the Jesus of the Bible. And that is the message of Christmas. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus. Maybe you've been coming to this church for a long time and you've got some things going on in your life that no one knows about. Maybe you've You've got, gotten a hidden secret. Maybe you've got some, 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 some sin in your life that, that you're hiding and, and you're terrified that if anybody found out what's really going on, that, that you'd be done for, that people wouldn't love you here anymore, people wouldn't accept you. Church, let me tell you that the amazing grace of Jesus is not a one-time offer. It is for all of us all the time. As I mentioned, you know, I didn't used to be on the, nice li- on the naughty list, now I'm on the nice list. I'm still there, right? Like, I'm still a sinner saved by grace. We all are. And Jesus is here for you. If you're anywhere in those categories, right? You, you've fallen away. Maybe you've never received the good news of Jesus Christ. Man, today's the day. We're going to have a response time a little later in our service. And we would love, I would invite you to come and, and talk to me, talk to Nate, talk to Cale, talk to one of our elders here at Cross Culture Church. We would love to pray with you and help you find your way back to God. That's what Christmas it's all about. Christmas is all about the amazing love and grace that God has given to us. Now, let me, let me kind of go in a little bit of a, of a different direction here. This is what Christmas is about. What does that mean for us? For, for those of us who have experienced this amazing grace, that, that we claim to be followers of Jesus, how should that impact the way we live at Christmas? And really all year long, right? But, but especially as we, as we zoom in and we think about the God who gave. How does that impact us? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14-15 through 15 says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died, and he died for all, that those who live, that's us, should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised 
again. For God so loved the world that he gave his Son. And now, as those who have received this amazing grace, who have received this gift of love, I pray if we've really received it, if you really understand it, if you really understand what you've been forgiven of and the grace you've received, that the love of Christ would compel you to go and to love others. The love of Christ would compel you, just as Christ offered Himself so that others would know the Lord, that it would compel us to offer ourselves so that others would know Christ. Ephesians 5.1 says that a little bit differently. It says, follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You see, if we want to be gospel people, then we must love others who don't deserve it. Because Jesus loved us. Jesus loved me when I didn't deserve it, and Jesus loved you when you didn't deserve it. Amen? We want to be gospel people, we want to be good news people, we want to be followers of Jesus, then we must love others as Jesus has loved us. That's why it's so important to understand the message and the meaning of Christmas. Because if you don't understand it, then you won't live it. If you don't understand that God came to give Himself for you, then you won't in turn give yourself for others. The love of Christ can't compel you with something you haven't received and you don't understand. Walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now, that's a high calling, right? That, that's, that's not just a, a Christmas card and cookies kind of love. Right? That, that's a sacrificial laying down your life so that others might know Christ. That's a big kind of love. So the second thing we see is that we can be Christmas when we give ourselves for others. We can be Christmas when we give ourselves to others. You see, I tend to believe that Christmas shouldn't just be a noun, but it should be a verb. That is something that we should be. Just as Christ came into the world, I love how the message puts it in John 1.14. It says He moved into the neighborhood. He took on flesh and He dwelt among us. We are then called to do the same. We are called to be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ to our communities, to our families, to our co-workers. We are called to be Jesus with skin on. So they're not going to see Jesus this Christmas. But they can through you. We are the hands and feet of Christ as a church. We're called the body of Christ. We are, we are to be putting on the love of Jesus in full display. That they see us and they're like, wow. Those people love each other and they love the people that God has placed them around. That should be the mark of a Christian church. So this morning, I'm, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to fill us and to open our eyes to how we can be Christmas to our families. We can be Christmas to our neighbors. We can be Christmas to our culture. We can be Christmas to one another. How can you be Christmas? For God so loved the world that He gave, and that love also compels us to give ourselves for others in a sacrificial way. What does that look like? Right? So, so, so let's leave the kind of the ethereal, right, theological world and let's get down to real life. All right? Nine to five in your community, in your neighborhood, at your office, 
What does it look like for you to be Christmas, for you to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to be Jesus with skin on, for the love of Christ to compel you? Let me give you a few possible ways, and I'm praying maybe the Holy Spirit will bring something to your mind specifically for you. Maybe it's extending forgiveness to someone in your family because Jesus has forgiven you. Maybe it's forgiving someone in your family who doesn't deserve it because Jesus forgave you when you didn't deserve it. The, the, the holidays are a time when we spend time with our family, and the great thing about family is that we've known them for a long time, and we've spent a lot of time with them, which means they've had a lot of opportunities to sin against us, right? And we've had a lot of opportunities to sin against them. And, and as I have just gotten to know Christians of all stripes, <laughs> what I find is when we talk about forgiveness and extending grace and love, that the biggest area of unforgiveness is in our families. Now, I'm not saying you don't have other people to forgive too, but my guess is there's probably going to be someone around the, the dinner table at Christmas that you probably need to forgive. And maybe you've been holding on to it. But let me tell you, you were forgiven when you didn't deserve it. And if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we can't hold on to that. We've got to forgive. Maybe it's inviting someone who doesn't know Christ. And at our church, I've heard you guys are doing something similar. We're asking the question, who's your one? Who's the one person that you're going to be intentionally praying for and blessing and sharing Christ with, serving, helping them, being the hands and feet of Jesus too? You know, the, the time, even more than Easter, that people are the most open to an invitation to church is Christmas. Christmas. Who, who are you inviting to come and hear the message of Jesus. That's why every year at our church we, we give a, a gospel invitation and we just openly proclaim the gospel and invite people to come. And every year we see people give their lives to Jesus Christ. Every single Christmas. And so I just want to encourage you. Now there's a few times during the year that, that people are just more receptive to hearing the message of Jesus and Christmas is number one on the list. How can you be the hands and feet of Jesus? You know, the, the, the message of Christ is a message. You know, the whole idea of, of, you know, show Jesus, you know, with your actions, use words if necessary, that's crazy, right? Like, the message of Jesus is a message. People can't hear about Jesus unless they hear the word Jesus. They can't hear about the cross unless they hear about cross. This is an incredible opportunity to hear the message of Jesus. Who, who, who in your life has that God has put in your sphere of influence that needs to hear about Jesus this Christmas? Or how about this? Maybe it's generosity. Maybe it's, it's giving. You know, what, what if we actually allowed the, the, the original story of St. Nicholas to inspire us to be generous? What if we allowed the, the God who gave to help us to become people who give? In fact, I think this should be a part of every family tradition. It's some way that you give. Uh, at our church, we have something called the Point Care Center where we sponsor about 200 children um, through, you know, kind of like the angel tree. It's not original, right? It's like angel tree where uh, families who, we, we do a, a food pantry and a, and a, you know, closed closet where we give out hot meals to about a few hundred families every single Saturday. And then, you know, during the Christmas, you know, you can take a treat and you can give a child toys and, and clothes that they would not have otherwise. Man. I'm sure there's all kinds of opportunities all around you 
or your family to adopt a kid, adopt a family, to help them give the, the message of Jesus and a Christmas. What a great opportunity to teach our children that it's not just about what we get, but it's about what we give. And one of the things that, that some of our extended family has done is that, you know, we'll kind of all chip in 25 bucks and we'll be able to kind of come together and, you know, have a, have a pool of money and we'll, we'll decide some years, you know, hey, maybe this is going to go and, and help this family's electric bill or, or this is going to go and, and help this family, you know, with their car bill. It's just thinking through ways that, that we can make Christmas about what we can give instead of what we can just get. Right, let me throw out even a bigger challenge. What if you decided that you wanted to give a child a home? You know, that if every church in the triangle, if one family from every church in the triangle would foster or adopt, there would not be a single child left in the foster care system. Just one family. This is, this is the journey our family's been on over the past year. The past two years, we've been going through the process to foster to adopt. And uh, January of this year, uh, a little boy named Dominic moved in with us. And this year, for the first time, we're celebrating Christmas, not as a family of four, but as a family of five. Man, I just, my dream is that, and that, that would be the case, that would be the story of so many other children across the triangle. So many children who need a home. Man, what a great opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus to show the love of Christ just as we are adopted into the family of God. There's children who need the same thing. I don't know what it is for you and your family, but my prayer is that we would actually take some kind of a tangible action to be Christmas, to do something to be the hands and feet of Jesus. What better way to celebrate Christ than being the people who do the things that Jesus did? So I'm, I'm praying that we would be able to flip Christmas right side up again, and, and that we can bring the cross to our culture. Would you pray with me? Father God, I pray, Lord, that you would, God, that your spirit would, would be putting things on our mind, putting things on our heart, a, a ways that we can be Christmas. God, I pray that you would be bringing the names of, of people in our life. God, that, that maybe they have a physical need. Maybe they have a, a spiritual need. Maybe they have an emotional need. They, they need someone to talk to. They need someone to spend Christmas with. God, would we be thinking of the, the stranger? God, would we be thinking of, of the person who is, who's sick and needs someone to visit them? God, the, the prisoner who, who needs someone to come and to, to love them and to pray for them. God, the child who needs a home. Father, would you open our eyes and would you lead us, would you guide us through your spirit to, God, the, the broken God, the needy, God, the hurting, God, and allow us to be good news. God, would you allow us to be people who give love because we have received love? Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that because of Jesus, God, we have hope. God, thank you because of Jesus, we have life. And Father, would you help us to extend that, to, to extend the love of Christ to all of those you have divinely placed us around? Father, we know that we were placed in our offices, in our neighborhoods, in our families, God, intentionally, for a purpose, for such a time as this. Father, help us not to miss it. Help us not miss it. Use us, Lord. Use us. In Jesus' name we pray. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. 
God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable for every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships, and instead of rituals, we practice realness. Cross-Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculture.church. Cross-Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross. Online at crossculture.church.